Today's Discovering Music is a bit of a departure from the norm because, rather unusually, we've decided to include some electronic or electroacoustic music, not before time, you might say. This performance comes from the BBC Electric Prom series, and we're going to be concentrating on one of the most outstanding explorers of electronic media in British music, one of the great British adventurers in sound, Jonathan Harvey. And we're hearing two pieces of Jonathan's today, Tombeau de Messiaen and Other Presences, which was written early this year, 2006. Well, first of all, Jonathan, your first piece... Tombeau de Messiaen. This is a memorial tribute to the great French composer Olivier Messiaen, who died in 1992, I think it was, wasn't it? Two mm -hmm. years before you wrote this piece. Mm -hmm. Let's hear a bit of Messiaen now to remind us of that particular set of sonorities that Messiaen conjures up so distinctively in his music. An excerpt from Messiaen's Des Carillons aux Etoiles there. Mm. Messiaen was a pretty important influence on you, wasn't he? Could you, could you say something about wh why Messiaen was so important for you? Uh, at quite a young age, I listened to Torangalila, the Torangalila Symphony, and uh, shortly after that encountered many other works. The emotional impact was extraordinary. I felt a kind of calling... Um, towards, towards, you know, a metaphysical a heaven, a wonderful world which is very clearly and beautifully and purely expressed by this composer, which I'd never heard before. So it was a very direct uh, spiritual experience, I think, from this, one might say, great teacher. Messiaen was a very devoutly Roman Catholic, but he was a rather unusual Roman Catholic, wasn't he? He included his Eastern mysticism in his works and um, references to the Tristan and Isolde myth, which mm. I know perplexed some more orthodox Catholics in his time. Um, was the attraction to you, for you simply in terms of the emotional and technical things that Messiaen did, or, or was there something about his mysticism that appealed to you as well? I think it's hard to describe exactly what it was. I went in different directions, one of which was towards the East, as you say, towards Indian philosophy and mysticism, but also Christian mysticism in general, not particularly Catholic. And uh, I've always, since those days, felt music and um, spiritual experience are inextricable. And I'm sure Messiaen is to be thanked for that. So, the Tombeau de Messiaen, mm -hmm. when you wrote this in 1994, was it clear to you right from the start that this was going to be a memorial tribute to Messiaen? In fact, I started out the piece rather uh, as a piano piece for <laughs> Philip Mead, who had commissioned it, um, and the ideas somehow um, gravitated towards Messiaen. I can't explain it, but some of the, the harmonies, some of the sounds seemed to be a little bit like Messiaen reminded me. So I then made the connection, well, Messiaen has just died, why don't I make this also a homage yeah. to, to him and an act of respect? And that's how it happened. There is one part at the end which is quite close to being a Messiaen's music. Yes, this is the coda with your, um, as it were, climactic tribute to Messiaen. Yes. We started off with an F-sharp major chord, then goes to a C major chord, uh, so we have the tritone relationship, which is so characteristic of Messiaen, if you're familiar with these terms, and then it plunges right down. 
And this F-sharp major, this is, this is interesting because Messiaen's most orgasmic moments are often in F-sharp major, <laughs> aren't they? He seems to have a particular thing about that chord or that harmony, doesn't he? I hope he enjoys it up there. <laughs> but um, I did feel that this moment where the F-sharp major chord comes was um, a bit too um, simple uh, at the time. And so I, but I said, come on, what the hell, I wrote it. And now I, I like it best of the whole piece. Almost in the nature of a tribute. Yes. So you said you were asked to write a piece of piano music for Philip Meads. When did the idea of bringing electronics into it as well dawn on you? Yes, he, he in fact uh, wanted that. He knew I did quite a lot of electronics. So that, that was there for the, from the start. It appealed to me. I find it very difficult to write piano music um, because so many others have been there before. It's hard to think how it can sound new. But I had electronics, and I had no hesitation in, in thinking this would be a wonderful uh, opportunity to try and find something new and strange. Mm -hmm. Now, you do this simply by having the piano play with a digital audio tape, or as it is tonight, a CD. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yes. yes. Um, what is the actual starting point for what we hear on the CD in Tombeau de Messia? Where do we start <clears throat> of the elements? Um, we start from the piano from the live performance we see before us and uh, it, it sticks very close to the piano. All the sounds are derived from piano sounds except some bell or gong sounds which I think of as kind of funeral um, elements in, in this uh, piece about Messiaen's death. Well perhaps we should hear a few examples of how you've, as it were, derived sounds mm. on the CD from what the piano plays and counted them by. You, you've got something, I think, from the, from the beginning of the work first, haven't you? <clears throat> yes. We'll do something which isn't part of the piece, really, uh, just to make a point. Um, some of the opening music, um, which is just played by the, the tape or the CD, each piano that is on the tape, and there are 12 pianos, virtual pianos, is tuned to the harmonic series. Each interval in the harmonic series is different. So that means you get lots of microtones, lots of strange pitches which don't exist on anything like a piano. I just asked Clive Williamson to play the fundamental of this particular harmonic series, which is on A, of which the uh, tape plays the harmonics. Okay, and a similar example to follow that. This time some of the higher harmonics I was talking about would be more clear, where uh, Clive plays a low E flat, which is the, the fundamental of the harmonic series you will then hear. And a little after that we'll go straight on where he changes to low C.
So you, you can hear at the end uh, how the lower harmonics sound quite related to the fundamental. The upper ones... Sort they of sound more in tune, as yes, it were, to put yes, it crudely. Yes, yes, yes. But these are all natural overtones That's of right. the piano. It's the fact that our ears are conditioned by modern tuning that we don't hear those all as being in tune. Yeah. Yes. Mm. yes. Now that, that's not what actually happens in the piece at that point, is it? No. The, the, it's more complicated than that. Yes. Um, that string of chords is going to be very important during the whole piece. The falling chords, tombe, uh, the French for to fall, I think is related to tombeau. At any rate, I took that idea of falling chords. But what we're going to do now is hear what you just heard with the piano as it was composed, added. Fascinating. As, as the chords get lower and lower on both the recording and the piano, they start to mesh, don't they? They mm. start to the marry yes, up. Yes, yes, that's right. Mm. It's, it's a whole uh, dialectic between uh, meshing and not meshing, mm. <laughs> like 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 grit that stands out against something, and then it becomes very smooth, and it joins it, uni unified. Mm -hmm. Well, you've got some examples of some of your synthesized gong sounds next, haven't you? Are yes. those actual real bells and real gongs? Because they sound unusual. The way they're used is unusual too, I think. Yes. No, they're, they're synthetic actually, made by uh, computer synthesis. <clears throat> so, but they sound um, a little bit ominous, I think, a little bit strange. Well, there's that extraordinary effect you get when, it, instead of just having a deeper bell, you take the same bell sound and tone it down, as it were, to put it on a deeper tone, play it slower or deeper. Yes. It creates a completely different effect. Why is that? Yes, the attack is very soft. It's not like an, an iron clapper hitting a piece of, of metal. Um, it, it's completely electronically changed the way the sound rises. Um, the harmonic content of these things is rather different from a bell. Mm -hmm. So that, that mingles rather well when you transpose it down. Mm -hmm. One with another makes all sorts of mysterious harmonies. So first of all, without the solo piano,
we uh, will we'll add the piano to that. <clears throat> you hear the piano begins to take up this falling motif, the falling chords, and uh, actually intensifies this idea to the extreme, and all 12 pianos eventually enter at the same time briefly, which is incredibly dense. But we won't play that now. We'll leave that till later. Basically, a lot of your pieces, they are, however complex they are in their thinking, they're often very lucid and straightforward, not straightforward maybe, but easy to grasp, I think, in terms mm. of the broad formal outline. Yes. So any help you could give us here, I think, would be useful. Yes, it's quite important, I think, to have tried to get clear form. The opening is in a kind of assertion, an upward rising figure, which comes twice. It's interrupted the first time by a very long pause, it's as if the piece is started in the normal way, fairly dissonant, fairly active, and then suddenly it's pulled up short. Anyway, um, we hear the first bell at that point. Then there's another assertion of a similar sort, and the falling chords you, you've heard already. The section then is the duo between the single line in the tape and the single line in the piano. And that's followed by a trio. Three lines, two on the tape, one on the piano. The central section is these falling chords, 28 at a time, <clears throat> um, which make a waterfall effect in that as the bottom of one fall is uh, fading out, the top of the next fall fades in, dwelling on this falling idea, endless falling. Fifthly, there's a section of arpeggios, which gradually descend through the various harmonics series based on different fundamentals. And then we get to the intensification, which is where we just have been, and that becomes very wild. And finally we have the coda. And from that the incredible plunge downwards towards yes. the end. That's yes, it. yes. yes. Mm. Do you, when you when you start a piece, do you only have any clear idea how it's going to end in your mind? I used to. Now I don't. I like, in fact, not to have, because I feel then I'm more open to any occult influences that might creep in during the composition, and you're always making yourself open, mm. like a medium, I suppose, um, to whatever may be in the air. As you, as you find things painstakingly, you know, inch by inch, centimetre by centimetre. Things come in all the time and you've got to be open to them. Mm. I like also the sense of narrative now, so that you, you do go on a journey but you're not sure quite where it will lead you. Well, I think it's about time we undertook that journey then. Uh, thank the company of our pianist tonight, Clive Williamson, who's going to play for us the complete Tombeau de Messiaen, written in 1994 by Jonathan Harvey. <laughs> 